Hi, and welcome to the EMG podcast. I'm Spencer Gore, CEO here at EMG Health. And this week, it's a huge honor to be joined by none other than Chris Sturkins. Hi, Chris. Thanks for joining us. Ah, glad to be here. Thank you. Chris is, of course, Group Chairman for Janssen Europe, Middle East and Africa. So uh, I'm just going to ask a few questions um, and we'll, uh, we'll go from there. So you've spoken in the past uh, about being engaged with healthcare after seeing sales reps come into your father's office. What, what do you think about the evolving sales landscape uh, with there being some cases of sales forces being removed and replaced with digital campaigns? Well, uh, first of all, I think there will always be a place for sales reps. I think the face-to-face contact remains so important in the industry that we have. But you're absolutely right that we see it complement with the impact of technology and digital. And um, I mean, what I see as a trend is more of an upstream of our capabilities. I think it becomes increasingly important that you create the right market access environment for your medicines. And once you have that, it's less about the traditional marketing and and less about the typical traditional role that a sales rep used to do, but it's much more about the science and the relationship building that you do with the healthcare community. And I think we can augment the sales rep's capabilities by the right use of technology and digital. And and I think we were testing that and uh, where in the beginning maybe we thought that sales rep would be intimidated and thought that technology and digital would actually replace their job. I think more and more they are now convinced that this is just an additional way of doing the role that yeah. they that they used to do, but in a different in a different format. Yeah, definitely. And, and on that note, what are the long-term ambitions of Janssen when it comes to in-house technological incubation and advancement? Well, it's a difficult question uh, to answer because I think there are many aspects to that. But I think in the end, the way we look at technology is: can we uh, can we actually address? customer needs and customers or stakeholder needs in a better way by applying technology. And that is, can we improve the patient experience? I think it, it all starts with the patient, yeah. it all ends with the patient. But also towards the, the healthcare professional, I, I think what you actually see is a little bit back to the future where sales reps and, and healthcare professionals are going to be much more engaged with having the right relationship with their patients and technology can take things away where now the administrative burden and other yeah. things are taking the energy and, and the time of the healthcare professional, the doctor and, and nurses, so that they actually get to spend more time with their patients as it used to be in the old times. If we can accomplish that, and I think that's exactly what we're trying to do, that's certainly one aspect. The other thing is that technology and so on also in, if you look at research and development, can make a huge impact on how we will actually develop medicines for the future. And I think technology, artificial intelligence, advanced analytics, getting insights from data is going to be hugely important in in developing the next generation of breakthrough medicines. Yeah, definitely. And is there anything that the pharmaceutical industry can learn from medtech companies that are out there that they're collaborating with? And, and are there any uh, tech CEOs that, that, that particularly inspire you at the moment? Yeah, I think we can definitely learn uh, how they actually go about developing their their products. And, you know, it's what Peter Hinzen, a futurist guru from Belgium, calls. We, as a pharmaceutical company that have been established such a long time ago, we suffer from what he calls the shit of yesterday, meaning we have that whole legacy of how you do clinical research, of how you operate, your whole structure and infrastructure is based on how we used to work 50 years ago, and you don't adapt that. These companies, 
they start with a white sheet of paper and they say, okay, what is the problem we're trying to fix and how can we quickly fix that? And that whole concept that they have, what they call MVP or minimal viable product is something that we definitely could learn because usually we develop something, we take so much time and we provide a Rolls Royce where maybe a BMW would have yeah. been sufficient. And they just launch a product very early on and improve upon it time after time. That's why yeah. you actually have on your iPhone in the App Store always these updates. Yeah. And I think that principle um, of launching something fast in a more agile way and improving upon it is something we can learn. And just agility in general. I yeah. think they are much quicker in responding to customer needs than we are. And, and we certainly are learning from that. It's not a specific CEO that comes to mind, but that whole mindset that a medtech yeah. company has that I think we should really pay attention to and make that our own. Yeah, there's a, there's a phrase I've heard used uh, which I think applies to pharma sometimes. It's if you always do what you've always done, you'll always get what you've always got. And it's, you're afraid to move on. You've got to try new things. And I think that absolutely applies to yeah. some aspects of how we do business, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so um, while you're working as chairman of APAC, you introduced the company group chairman's dialogue. Um, that was a talent development program for future leaders. We, we've got a, a future leaders course on the go at the moment. So I'm interested to find out a little bit more about what characteristics you think are, are are critical in a good leader and how did the program help participants to develop these traits? Yeah, I think, well, I think the first mandate, sometimes say a, a, a good leader should create followership, but I think what a good leader needs to do is develop new leaders, not followers, mm -hmm. new leaders. And the reason of doing the company of chair dialogue was exactly to see where are these diamonds in the rough because I knew my direct reports quite well. I knew many people in their leadership teams because of the frequent exposure I had to them, but I did not really know uh, who's deeper in the organization and and I wanted to create an opportunity to get to meet these people and often when I did these let's say business trips they would set up a lunch or a breakfast meeting but in 30 or 45 minutes you don't really get to know people all that well so the idea of the company of chairs dialogue was we would put people for a day and a half together in a room there would be no slides we would just put general topics on yeah. and we would just talk and if you get to spend like a day and a half you really get to know people and in preparation for that I always said to them tell me if you were in my shoes where you think this business should be going that was one thing they had to come prepared for and the other thing was tell me about a leadership dilemma that you're facing that we can discuss in this group in an anonymous way they would send yeah. it to me but I would bring it up and we would discuss about that and I mean, the general feedback that, that I got was they thought it was extremely engaging, but yeah. I got a lot out yeah. of that as well because you have some really bright minds with uh, yeah. different mindsets. And, and for me, it was refreshing. So I kept doing it when I came back to, uh, to Europe as well. And it's been hugely successful in that way that I get to know many, many more people in over the past five, six years, maybe about 180 people went through these different cohorts. And, and it's a unique way for me to be exposed to that future generation of leaders. So I think it's uh, yeah, very worthwhile. Yeah, brilliant. Um, so each year, Johnson & Johnson sets an important health topic that resonates with young people. This year, it was mental health, well-being and resilience. Which issues would you like to see gain more attention in the future? Have you, have you got any specific ones lined up for next year, maybe? Well, I think you would always go back to your personal situation to some extent and what you're confronted with. And just like everybody else in my uh, uh, family and, and circles of friends, you're being confronted with serious situations. And I would actually have to say, for me, it would still be mental health. And the reason why I say that is 
we are making incredible progress when it comes to oncology and, and other therapeutic areas, but in mental health, there's still that stigma. The, the science is maybe not delivering the results that we want to see, think about Alzheimer yeah. and so on. And I mean, my dad has Alzheimer. I have a family member with a mental health disease. And I can see that that is underappreciated how much these people suffer and how little there is available for them to help them with uh, coping with their disease, not just for them, but also the people around them. So yeah. if it was up to me, I'd continue on mental health and maybe especially also Alzheimer, where I think there is so much we still need to do and so little progress so far. Yeah, my, my granddad had Alzheimer's and yeah, the, the support for the family was almost non-existent. Yeah. Uh, around it still that is today. Yeah. yeah. Um, so there's been more talk about the importance of patient happiness, as there, there always is. Um, what steps are Janssen taking to ensure that they are focused on both patient, mental and physical well-being? So increasingly, we've seen that the patient becomes such a more important stakeholder for, for a number of reasons. Uh, there's, of course, the emergence of social media where every patient now has a voice and, is, is of course, can, can bring his or her message to a much larger audience uh, and talk about their unmet needs and what they suffer from. The other thing is, of course, they are much better informed about their health because of everything that is that is available on, on the internet. And, and the good thing is that patients are increasingly being listened to and, and so are actually are we doing that. We start involving them in early phases of product development. In fact, one of the medicines that we're about to launch, the formulation that we actually have, was an idea of a patient right. that actually came forward and, and eventually led to, to the way we're going to bring that medicine to market. So increasingly, and it's very relevant that you actually bring it up because our theme for 2020 is the patient as a an, as an really key important stakeholder. And, and for us, an element that we try to incorporate in everything that we do from drug development to how we actually interact with the medical community is patient experience. How do, yeah. I, how do you actually experience being treated by, by one of our medicines? And in that process, we try to involve the patient in, in every aspect, like I said already, from, from drug development to we, how we actually market uh, the product. So one of the hurdles that we have is as an industry, we are limited in how much direct contact we can have with yeah. patients. So that's always that kind of tension that plays there. But um, increasingly, that measurement of patient experience is, is a key indicator of how successful we are going to be going forward next to all of these traditional measurements that we use for, for a long, long time. Yeah. Okay, brilliant. Well, we're almost out of time, but there's one last question I wanted to ask. Um, I know you're a big Beatles fan, and I was uh, watched yesterday on the flight back recently and thought you'd, you'd appreciate that. But if you had to choose three songs, uh, one to sum up each decade in which you've worked at Janssen, what would you choose and why? And, and can I assume that maybe American Pie, having seen your YouTube video, is one of them? Well, that's an interesting question. <laughs> in fact, it's actually four decades because I'm, I'm into I'm my into fourth decade okay, now. Yeah. So um, which one would come to mind? You know, I use that American Pie for, uh, you saw it on yeah, the yeah. YouTube video for, uh, to, to make a song about somebody else. And I'm not sure if that would make it. I think, let me just name a few that are always in my top five of all times. It's... Um, Tunnel of Love by Dire Straits, not as well known as Sultan's a Swing, but it's yeah. actually a better song and a more beautiful and technically more complicated guitar solo in that one. Um, I think With or Without You by U2 should yeah. be in that list. Brilliant um, song. Black Hole Sun by Soundgarden. I like that. I was really a grunge fan when, when Nirvana, Soundgarden and Pearl Jam came up. And... and uh, 
a song by Coldplay before they became a sellout artist their, uh, from their <laughs> from their 2002 album, a, a song called Amsterdam. Not even a, a very friends of mine from university. So careful what you say. Yeah, <laughs> not even a well-known song, but but a song that yeah. I thought of a of a brilliant album and a brilliant song. So those are three yeah. that would come to mind. But if yeah. you get me going, <laughs> here uh, all day. Yeah, we'd be here all day. Well, brilliant. I, I, I know you're incredibly busy, so thank you very much for your time. Thank you. Uh, it's been a pleasure. Join us next week for another edition of the EMG Health Podcast, and don't forget you can sign up at iTunes and Spotify. Thanks again for your time, Chris. Thank you very much. Glad to be here.